In this episode of the Tennis Unleashed podcast, we're going to talk about the fall of American men's tennis. This is a subject that I actually don't even want to talk about too much, but I'm going to get into some things that I think are really important. I'm not even going to blame this on the players. We're going to start with overconfidence as an issue in American culture and American tennis coaches. So confidence is a really, really tricky thing, right? Because you want to be confident to be successful in anything that you do, but you don't want to go over that fine line of not just being confident, but being arrogant, right? Especially when you haven't actually accomplished anything. And I think that's one of the biggest issues facing American men's tennis is an overconfidence in our general culture. I'm not, again, pinning this on the players in any way, shape, or form, but an overconfidence in American culture, right? That we're the best at everything and we do this well and we do that well. Maybe not. Maybe we don't lead everything. The one thing that we do lead in that I believe gives people this false sense of overconfidence throughout our entire society and our entire culture is the fact that we tend to lead the best lifestyles, right? You see people traveling, buying extravagantly large homes, flaunting these things, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, you have that. Well, I have this, you know, and I'm going to spend this and I'm going to do that. Me, 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 me. Look what I have. Look what I have. That's really not what life is supposed to be about. But our culture has been consumed by this me, me, me attitude. Look what I've done. Look at how important I am. Look what I've traveled. Look who I know. Look what job I have. These things tend to lead to people that are, number one, extremely selfish. Number two, arrogant. Number three, not very truthful in their assessments of their own abilities and the results of what they've actually done. And I believe those things have permeated through American culture and especially through American men's tennis culture from the top down and have created this overconfidence that has actually affected the level of our players. And you could easily make the counter argument that we're having a ton of success on the women's side of the tour and development, right? And you would be right because Right now, if we look at the WTA rankings in October here, we've got 16 women inside the top 100 in the world, which is the most of any country in the world. So clearly, we're doing a great job on the women's side of the tour. And you might say, well, that takes away the complete argument then of a cultural issue. But my argument to that is that we only have one player inside the top 10 in the world on the WTA tour. That's Sophia Kennan, currently ranked number eight. And Kennan was actually born in Russia and has Russian parents, right? So she is not truly American in that sense. She's born in Russia. So fantastic player for our country, but has a different mindset and a different family background to help keep her grounded in, you know, yes, American culture provides you all these opportunities as far as things that you can do and education and travel and what you can buy and where you can go and what you can wear, But she has that background from her parents to keep her grounded in terms of where they came from, the opportunities there versus the opportunities here, and how different it really is. And to be grateful for those opportunities. When you grow up in the United States like I have or anyone else has, even if you came from a lower middle class background, a middle class background, you've been afforded more opportunity than almost anybody in the world simply by being born In the United States of America, no matter where you started, you've probably started in a better position 
than the vast majority of people in the world. But starting in the best place doesn't always mean you're going to finish in the best place. And what I mean by that, right, is if you have to kind of scratch and claw your way from the bottom to get to the top, you're more likely to work hard nine times out of 10 than somebody who's been handed these opportunities and been given them, right? Because they haven't had to earn it in the same sense that you have. So that struggle and having to create your own opportunities, right? From more difficult circumstances, guess what? It matters a lot in a one-on-one sport like tennis. That is such a mental and physical battle out there, but especially a mental battle, right? If you've had to deal with more when you were younger and you've had to go through more than somebody who's had a little cushier lifestyle, it's probably easier to overcome them with your background than it is from their cushy background. Is that guaranteed all the time? Absolutely not. But overall, through and through, not coming from that cushy background actually makes you tougher in the end. So one of the biggest things that I have an issue with besides the comfiness of American culture is the fact that all of us that have sort of been raised and brought up in this culture have grown accustomed to expecting things to be kind of provided to us, right? Or fairly easy to access because most things in our culture up to this point have been fairly easy to access, especially in the last few decades, right? If I want to go eat here, I can go eat here really quickly. If I want to go do this, I can do this. If I want to go travel somewhere, it's pretty darn simple or has been simple for the last few decades. So American culture makes things easier for you than ever before. But at the same time, is that the best mindset an environment to grow up in to breed champion tennis players? And my answer to that is no, I I don't believe that's the best environment to create world-class tennis players. I think you can do it, but I don't think it's actually the optimal mental environment to do it. And it might be the actual physical environment that you'd want, right? The most access to things, facilities, coaches, et cetera. But from a mental perspective, I don't believe it's actually optimal at all. If we look at, you know, U.S. students compared to Students from across the world, and we look just simply at some of the categories like mathematics, we rank 39th in the world in mathematics, according to a 2017 article published. And in both reading and science, we ranked 24th in the world, right? So top 25, and that's great, but nowhere near what our resources provide to us from an economic standpoint, not even close to where we should be, right? So we have this overconfidence problem while at the same time ranking so poorly in science, mathematics, and reading. And that's kind of mind-blowing to me. But again, when you have an abundance of access to things, especially in this country, it's very easy to get caught up in your own little bubble and your own little world of we are the best and we have this and we have this. Well, that doesn't mean you're the best. It just means you have access to the best things, right? It's how you actually utilize those tools that matters at the end of the day. And that really brings me to the coaching side of this whole discussion and this whole thing, this whole podcast. And that's kind of that, you know, a lot of coaches in this country, they feel like they've done a lot of things and they've developed a lot of players, but realistically, they haven't, right? They haven't developed high level division one college tennis players that are playing in power five school programs like the Big Ten, the SEC, the Pac-12, those different conferences, they haven't done it at that high of a level. So from what I've seen, we've got a lot of coaches in this country that are very confident about their skill set, their knowledge. They know this, they've got this, they've developed this player. But if you compare them to the best coaches in the United States, there's a huge resume gap and difference between what the best coaches in this country do day in and day out versus what a lot of other coaches are doing on a daily basis that they think 
they're producing this amazing product, but they don't have the resume to back it up. They're not sending players to major Division I universities that are playing in lineups. They're not sending players to Super Nationals. They're not sending players to the Orange Bowl or the Easter Bowl every year. There are places out there that are doing that, and I'll mention those really quickly here. And the first place I'm going to mention is Tucker Tennis in Tulsa, Oklahoma, consistently producing top 10, top 20, and top 5 ranked players in the U.S., in the juniors, and both the boys' and girls' side, as well as developing pro player talent, right? So they're doing a tremendous job out there. Another place I want to mention that does a consistently good job and is always sending players to major Division I colleges every year is Smith Tennis in Indianapolis, Indiana, right? They're located in that area. They do a tremendous job. I got to witness firsthand some training methodology there, drills. Stuff was really, really good, very innovative. The Smith family does an amazing job at developing players in that area. And another one that I want to mention is the Junior Tennis Champion Center located over in Maryland. They've been doing a great job for well over a decade over there, producing phenomenal talent, pro players, top junior players that are playing at big universities. Francis Tiafo and Dennis Kudla are two notable pros that have come out of their system in the last decade or so. They are doing a phenomenal job and continue to do that day in and day out. So if you haven't done so already, make sure you check some of these places out to learn to see what these coaches are doing and how they're developing players on a daily basis, right? Instead of going out there feeling we know everything, we need to go to each area where there is success and then learn from coaches who are doing it on a daily and developing really, really high level players. It's so important. So I want to see a mentality change in U.S. tennis. I think a lot of coaches, especially at the club level, have this knowledge base that they feel like they know what they're doing and they're developing players. But in my opinion, we can get a lot better and these coaches could be a lot more knowledgeable, which would increase the level of depth in tennis and increase that pipeline of players coming up through the system. And to me, that's the most important thing. But until we can get over, you know, this majority mindset with most people of look at me, look how important I am, even though I'm not putting out the results, we're going to continue to struggle with American men's tennis development in this country. We need a culture change. We need a mindset change that is going to help to reverse that. It's easier, and I don't want to take any flack for this, but I'm going to say it, to develop a junior female player that reaches a high level than it is a male player. is a deeper talent pool, and the lines from top to bottom in men's tennis are thinner than they are in the women's game. So it's much tougher to develop a high-ranked male player than it is a female player because it's a deeper talent pool on the men's side than it is in junior sports on the girls' side. It's definitely different that way. So it takes a deeper knowledge base, more time, and more commitment to develop a high-level male player than it does a high-ranking female player. And in my opinion, we're going to continue to struggle on the men's side as far as trying to develop players that are winning grand slams until we get a mindset change within this country, a culture change that emphasizes a little more of a humble attitude, a I want to learn attitude from the best and absorb that information and use it within my own daily routines to help my players maybe spend a little less time on social media posting pictures of myself everywhere. Because while you're doing that, while you're wasting all that time on social media doing this, 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 and this, trying to get attention for yourself, you could be using that time to increase your tool set, increase your knowledge base, and help your players get better instead of promoting yourself all the time. So if you're a coach listening to this, if a hundred coaches out there are listening to this and only five of you or two of you are affected by this podcast and are like, you know what? I want to change. I want to have more of a growth mindset. It's not about me. It's about the players. 
if I get better, my players get better and I can represent U.S. tennis better by producing a better product, then I hope this hits home with you. You find the resources, some of them which are already mentioned in this podcast to help improve your coaching knowledge. Go take a tour of these places. Ask if you can coach in for a day, kind of shadow and observe some of the things that are happening at these successful places and then take that knowledge home with you and implement it where you are. That wraps it up for this episode of the Tennis Unleashed podcast. I'm Jason Frosto. If you want some of the best free online tennis instruction in the world, make sure you visit us at tennisunleashed.net or check out our YouTube channel. We've got 20,000 plus subscribers there that are very engaged in our free content. Again, I'm Jason Frosto for tennisunleashed.net. I'll see you next time.